Now, with that said, this morning I am going to preach on Father's, Father's Day. Take your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want to read a couple of verses of Scripture. And then, then I want to read some uh, statistics that I found. And uh, I believe they'd be shocking to you, to me. And I believe there's a, a problem. I think uh, all of us would agree that there's a problem in this country. And uh, there's a lot of homes that are fatherless. And if you have a father, you need to thank God for him. Uh, I was up early this morning and made sure to send a text to my father wishing him happy Father's Day. And of course, he was up. I know where my dad's at. Uh, dad, about 4, 4.30 every morning, he's up. He's in his chair with light on, reading his Bible. He's done that ever since I can remember that. I can remember back quite a ways. That'd be about five-year-old boy, five, six-year-old boy. I'm 51 years old. That's where he's at every morning. I know where my father's at every Sunday morning. I know where my father's at every Sunday night. I know where my father's at every Wednesday night and my mother also. Uh, so a lot of consistency there and I uh, want to thank God for our fathers. It's not an easy job, is it, fathers? Uh, sometimes it's tough and it's hard. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you found your place, and I want to read a couple verses of Scripture. The Apostle Paul signing out here. And I want to read verses 13 and 14. And I believe it to be applicable to fathers today. Because of the phrase I find in there in verse 13, a phrase that says, quit you like men. Quit you like men. You say, what's that mean? Quit being a man? No, it means man up. That's what that means. It means do a man's part. If you're going to fight, fight like a man. That's what that, that's an old English. And so in our language, it means to man up. Let's read verses 13 and 14. He says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, and let all your things be done with charity. Let's read the, the next verse. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have, I like this phrase too, they addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I don't know about you, there's been a, a few people in my lifetime that I could truly say they were addicted on service to God. You ever been around those kind of church members? I mean, every time you turn around, they were there doing something, working. Why? Because the, it was like an addiction. They were addicted to it. And the Bible says it's how we're supposed to be. Now let us pray, and then I want to read uh, some stats that I found this week that I thought to be a little troubling. But we need to be made aware of, and I believe that it will go with the message. And the message today is fathers are important. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Lord, help us today in the things that we do. Uh, be with the preaching. Lord, anoint my lips. Use me, speak through me. If there be any here that's not saved today, Lord, uh, I pray that they could come to know you. Is there a personal Savior? Is there, if there's someone that is wayward, backslid, Lord, let the preaching of the Word of God, let the compassion, let the realness of the Holy Spirit of God compel them to come back. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, some of the statistics I want to read, I got this from nickcandy.org, a Christian organization. It says, when both parents 
attend Bible study in addition to the Sunday service, 72% of their children will attend Sunday school when they're grown. That's when both parents bring their children or take their children to church. Remember last week I said that a father doesn't send his children, but a father takes his children to church. So 72% of children, when both parents take them to church, they remain in church after they leave home. When only the father attends Sunday school, only 55% of the children attend when grown. Now, when only the mother attends Sunday school, only 15% of the children attend when grown. And then when neither parent attends Sunday school and only the child comes, only 6% of those children attend church when they're grown. Now, those are some very eye-opening statistics. And I believe that it'd be very important that both parents take their children to church. It's important. It is important. And in the society that we live in today, it is against what we call what? The patriarchy, the man, the husband. And we're against that father. At least the word is, or the world is, but now God set it up that the fathers are very important. And I believe that the, if you want to say science, see, that's the big word now, you know, science. Oh, we're just following the science. I dare say they're not, because I just give you some facts. Science is, number one, observable. Two, science is demonstrable. And three, science is explainable. Those three things that got to be met before something can be classified a science. And those are some statistics from years gone by. Somebody's been doing some observing. Somebody's been watching some things being demonstrated and then explained now. Some other statistics. 23.6% of U.S. children lived in father-absent homes in 2014. Now, I got these statistics from fatherhoodfactor.com. If you would like to go and see those for yourselves, this is where I'm getting my information. In 2011, children living in female-headed homes with no spouse present, they had a poverty rate of 47.6%. This is over four times the rate for children living in married couples' homes. That's an eye-opening statistic. Uh, I got a few more. I won't read them all. You can go there yourself. That's like I said. This is fatherhood, uh, father, the father factor. I believe that's what it is. I wrote it down. Fatherhood factor. Disengaged in remote interactions of fathers with infants is a predicate, predicate predictor. There it is. Of early, I've had too many biscuits. Can you tell? I do that. And I had, someone made me nice, good, fluffy ones. Who did that? Who did, yeah, Sister Kathy. She knows, I don't like hard biscuits. I like biscuits with fluffy centers. And so, oh, somebody did them perfect, too. They knew exactly what they were doing. Well, when you have a disengaged father, you have behavioral problems in children. Now, individuals from father-absent homes 
were found to be 279% more likely to deal drugs and carry guns than children living with their fathers. I, you know, that might explain and help explain some of the problems we see going on in America today with our crime rates, our drug problems. They're learning that children that grow up without fathers in the home are 279% more likely to deal drugs. I believe fathers are important. I believe fathers in the home are important. And fathers, that job's not easy. And I'm here to try to encourage you a little bit this morning. But if the Holy Spirit has rebuke for you, then uh, as my father used to say, one of dad's favorite phrases is take it like a man. Man up. Be a man. Boy, (laughs) And nothing like a father to teach you stuff like that. But I'd like to break these verses down. I'll try not to spend too much time. But fathers are very important. They have a hard job. I still uh, wonder every day, how did my father raise seven of us kids, keep us fed and clothed and educated, and all while maintaining his sanity? Of course, we had mom. But it was, in our home, we had a single income family. So, well, you couldn't afford a babysitter to watch seven seven Indians. (laughs) And we were seven little Indians. (laughs) Probably more like monkeys. (laughs) But it took all that mom could muster. And we still doubt her sanity now after this thing's over. But uh, she made it through. And dad, you know, he made made it through. He had our job. But he never complains. And here I want to give us some things to look at, men, fathers. Number one, he says, watch ye. And I would admonish you this morning to be watchful. Now here's some of the things you need to be watchful for. One, you need to watch your children grow. I mean, it's going to be over in a blink of an eye. Time flies. It seems just like yesterday. A matter of fact, I, I think it was just last week that my children were in the car with me in car seats talking about wanting burgers and fries as we come through Brookville. Now look at them. I don't know what happened, but that was just like yesterday. And if it wasn't for Jenny, she took pictures. She's a picture freak. And if she wouldn't have took the pictures and rented the video cameras, she was all the time doing stuff like that, we wouldn't have no memories. And every once in a while, I'll have a good time. I go down to the basement, we got all those pictures down. Everything's digital now, but in those days, y'all had a, we had to take them and develop them. And boy, there's some good memories in there. Be watchful, fathers. Watch your children grow up. Be involved in their lives. Be engaged in their lives. Take pictures. Spend time with them. It's valuable. Spend the time. Grandpas, this applies to you too with the grandkids. It'll be over in a blink of an eye. Spend the time with them. You know, I, I told my wife, and, and I don't want to shed a, 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 a weird, uh, I don't want you all to think something weird or bad that's going on, but I told my wife, I said, look, when you're young, you first get married, sometimes you squabble over 20 bucks. Has anybody in here done that? Squabble maybe over 20 bucks or something, uh, maybe 40. 
Oh, y'all ain't going, yeah, y'all not going to play the game with me. <laughs> you know I'm fishing for whales with minners, ain't I? Yeah. You might squabble over 20 bucks, 30 bucks. You know, I told her a couple years back, we're not doing that, which we haven't done that in years. But I said, you know what? We're just going to relax, invest time into each other, and enjoy each other. And if you want to go out to eat, spend a little extra money, let's do it. And let's not, you know why? Because in, in a year, you're not even going to, you're not even going to worry about that $20. But let me tell you something, what you will regret when you lose a spouse, or if you lose a spouse, is you did not spend enough time with them. Let me tell you what people regret when they're on their deathbed, because I've been at the side of a few now these 10 years, is they regret not being in church more and not spending enough time with family. It's never somebody that complains about, oh, I just I didn't work enough overtime. I, I, I didn't save enough money. None of that stuff ever comes up. It's always, I wish I'd have spent a little more time with my children, my grandchildren, or my spouse. And pastor, see, I've buried a number of folks that were in this church. And they said, pastor, I wish I'd have spent more time in church supporting you. Those are the regrets I get. So fathers, you need to watch your children grow because it'll be over in an instant. Watch for their safety. That's one of the things you need to be watchful for is watch out for their safety. Safety in the home. You need to be watchful about that. You need to watch out uh, for their safety in schools. On the internet. Yes, fathers, you need to invade that space. If you have children that are underage, this world is not like it was when we were growing up. I grew up in an age we didn't know what internet was. But have you ever, don't, it's so easy to see the wrong things on the internet. So easy. And you need to watch out for their safety. There are predators that lurk on the internet in chat rooms. I've never been in a chat room. I, I wouldn't even know how to engage in one. But these kids, they seem to be savvy to that stuff. But you need to watch out for them and their safety. I think they even have some apps out now that wherever that child goes on the internet, it will send you, if you have it on your smartphone, it'll send you a log. It'll just inform you on, on, in your, through your email and inform you everywhere so you can protect them and make sure that you're watching out for them. Fathers, that's your job. And watch for their safety when it comes to the friends that they keep. Not everybody has their best interest at heart. My father had a rule. If he didn't know the, my, my friends' parents, I wasn't spending time over there. I wasn't going to go spend the night. Dad told me, he says, you don't know what kind of weird stuff goes on inside of people's homes. I was too young to understand then, but now I do. Now that I've spent some time pastoring, it's a wicked world out there. And fathers, you need to protect your children. Here's what my dad said. They can come and spend the night with you. You're not going over there. I don't know their parents. And my father and mother was very involved in the friends I kept. If they got a bad vibe off of them, guess what? Why? Because they were being watchful. They were being protectful. I mean, sometimes teenagers, they get this ideal that the parents that have changed their pampers when they was little, 
and fed them and clothed them all of a sudden becomes their enemy when they turn 18. Your parents are not your enemies, kids. When you turn 18, your mom and dad do not all of a sudden turn into an enemy and they, ha they hate you and they don't want your life to be a good life. Your parents love you very much. Your father should love you enough to try to steer you in the right way so you don't marry a dud. Because they want better for you than they've had. They want it easier for you than they did. And they've lived enough life to have enough life experiences to point you in the right direction. Fathers, we got to be watchful. We need to watch for their futures. Learn what they're good at. Learn how to define and see what gifts and where they're good uh, at and what abilities they have. And then help them to make good decisions for the future. Teach them how to make a living. Teach them how to be self-sufficient. But fathers, you need to watch to see that they develop a spiritual relationship with God. Now that's important. All the rules in the world that you throw at your kids will not do them a bit of good until you introduce them to the Lord and help them develop a spiritual relationship with God. It is the spirit of man that must need quickened. And so we've raised a whole generation. See, back in the, back in the days, remember? We, we, we all, man, I'm going back in the, I, I would have been in my teens, but all, everybody was on the TV smashing binge. Remember when that all come through, TV smashing binge? And we were smashing all our TVs that were in the home. TVs were evil, and by the way, they are. <laughs> but we all have them. And so we separated from this, we separated from that, we separated from this, we separated from that, and then we couldn't figure out, because we've separated our kids from everything, why'd they go, grow up and go astray? I'll tell you why. You never taught them what they were being separated to. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Apostle Paul said that he was separated unto the gospel. We focus too much on what we're separated from and not what we're separated to. That speaks of a spiritual development. And fathers, you are responsible for the spiritual development of your children. It is not the church's responsibility. We help, we play a big role. But most parents today, they are not going to have one ounce of godliness in the home. And then they bring their kids to church and say, All right, work a miracle on them, preacher. Let me tell you something. The church and the family should be on the same page. What those children see go on in church should be what's going on in your home. They should be introduced to godliness in the home. Matter of fact, 90% of what children grow up and do, 90% of what they do, they learnt from their father and mother in the home. Be careful how you act in the home. If you go home and eat roast preacher... In front of the kids, guess what? Your children are going to grow up to hate the preacher. There are some bad preachers. There are some bad preachers, trust me. And I get that. But have those conversations between just you and mama. You go home and eat roast church for and the home in front of the children, then it brings a bad flavor. It poisons the mind of the child. And guess what? They've not learned how to be a hypocrite like you yet. And it turns them. And when they get old enough to make their own decisions and leave home, 
they sure ain't going to darken the door of a church because they've been trained not to like it. I threw that in there free. It really wasn't in the notes. But it is your job, Father, to make sure that your children develop a spiritual relationship with God. These children singing in this children's choir and quoting Scripture, this should not be the only Scripture they ever are made to memorize. There should be Scripture memorization in the home. There should be Bible reading in the home. There should be a family altar in the home. Church should be a continuation. You can't just worship on Sunday and live for the devil the other six days. You must worship every day. And that's part of the problem with his generation. Our fathers are not doing their job. Hang on, I've got to lighten up. I've eaten too much biscuits. There we go. All right. No. I said I wasn't going to preach hard. I'm not trying to, but I'm telling you, fathers we got to watch out for their spiritual development. Church should be a continuance of what's going on in the home. There should be Bible reading. There should be verse memorization, songs. Our family had, fa- had family altar. And one of the things we did, my dad did, is we was always trying to ask dad hard questions. I learned a lot of my Bible like that. Trying to ask a Bible question that dad couldn't, he didn't have the answer for. But then we would see how many memory verses we could quote. Then we would learn a new memory. They don't have to learn a new one every Now, don't be like those kind of families. I had a friend once. So that, actually, it was Doug Rogers. <laughs> I'm telling. <laughs> His dad made them memorize a brand new memory verse before they could eat the next meal. And he kept notes. And if you, had, if you quoted one that you had already quoted three years earlier, you were in trouble. Now, I'm not saying do that. I don't recommend that. You can learn one new memory verse a month, can't you? Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, you get more Bible down in the heart of your children, they'll do a whole lot less sinning as they grow up. Fathers, we need to be watching out. We need to watch out for their spiritual development. You know, one of the things we did, I was thinking about this, I did some reminiscing this week. I don't know about you guys when you were kids. Now, maybe it's just because I'm a PK and I grew up in a, a, a preacher's home, a pastor's home. We played a lot of church, us kids. That's what we did. You know, some kids, they played games. They did this. We, we didn't have a TV. We didn't have a game system in the home. And so we had to interact with one another. We had to learn how to resolve our conflicts. Oh, boy, that was fun. <laughs> That's some good fights. <laughs> We'd play outside, but we often, often, often play church. My brother Jeremiah was a preacher. He was the preacher, and my uncle had bought him a husband's potato chip camp. Somebody in here was asking me about husband's potato chip camp. Was that you, Brother Joe? Okay, it was somebody. And they said, have you ever had husband's? I said, yeah. I said, they used to come in a five-gallon metal container. And they might be Husman's. We called them Husman's. Homeschooled. (laughs) 
And my brother would stand up on the top of that and he'd preach. And us kids, we'd sing, lead the singing and we'd, we'd shout amen. We'd quote Bible scripture. We were just playing. But I believe it helped us prepare for church. We need to watch out for the spiritual development of our children. But he says, be steadfast. Fathers, not only do you need to be watchful, but you need to be steadfast. That means to be consistent. And he says, be steadfast in the faith. I mean, be consistent. There's one thing, and I, I think I was confessing to this about my father. My father's been consistent all these years. I know where my, my father gets up early. 4, 4.30. There's been many times I'll text him at 4.30. You up? Yep, I'm up. You in your chair? In my chair. I know where my dad's at 4.30 every morning. He's in his chair reading his Bible with his cup of coffee. And then when mom starts rousing, he'll go get her her cup of coffee. My father has done that for as long as I can remember. Consistent. You know, going to church was never up for debate. I don't know in your guys' home, I don't know if you get up and say, well, you, you, you know, hey, you feel like going to church? No, I'm just not really feeling it. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm just not feeling it either. That preacher, he's got a new suit. I, I don't know if I like that color. Got new shoes. I got new shoes, by the way. I found them on sale. I don't know if I like them, and he ate too many biscuits last Sunday. I, I just don't, I'm not feeling that thing. You know, it was never up for debate in our home. Sunday rolled around. We all knew what we were going to do. There were seven of us kids, two adults, and one bathroom, and we lived on a cistern. So we understand a whole lot about a military shower. And there was a schedule, and it started at 5. You get up. The old ones got up. Dad got up, had his shower first, then mom. Then dad went to fix some breakfast, and mom had the babies up. And then all of a sudden, I was in there. I did, got my shower. That was after I had done the chores. We had a goat I had to milk. We had dogs I had to feed. We had uh, trash that needed to take out, compost I had to eat. Oh, sorry. Poor dog. Dad said, the dog's starving to death. I said, ain't you feed him table scraps? I didn't know. I was going for him. I said, I can't throw away good food. <laughs> Teenagers. Teenagers, you find out your kids that turn about 12, 13, all of a sudden, they eat three times more than any normal man can. You're like, what in the world were they putting? I don't know, just always hungry. Well, my father was steadfast. He was consistent in the faith. He kept a job. I don't know how he fed us, sacrificed, seen that all of us got educated, seen that all of us uh, got a graduation gift. He didn't have the money, but he'd find it somewhere. He'd sell something, do something, and he'd have it. You know, he stood fast in the truth of God's Word. He stood for truth. He had integrity. He has integrity. I keep talking about him like he's in the past tense. He's still alive today. And he still stands for truth. It's kind of nice. Pick up the phone. Hey, Dad, how do you, how do you see in this here in the Bible? How, how, how do you guys? It's kind of nice to hear old Dad's voice and say, Hey, yeah, no, we taught it like this. This is what we did. This is why we did it why, the way we did it. And I'm like, all right, that's good. That's kind of nice. 
Be steadfast. Fathers, we need to be steadfast in the faith. Church should not be up for debate. Believe in this Bible, the AV 1611, the King James. It's the inerrant, infallible, inspired, and preserved Word of God. There's a lot of people who don't believe that. They'll tell you they believe the King James, but not till you really nail them down. They don't believe it's preserved. They just believe it's the best translation. I say it's the translation. I've, if there's more books in my study on that one subject alone, I've looked at it high, looked at it low, been to Bible school. I've been to two Bible schools. Got a master's, getting ready to start for the doctorate. And I am telling you, without apologies and with no doubt, the AV 1611, the King James Version, is the preserved, infallible, inerrant Word of God. We need to be steadfast on that. I mean, <laughs> if you want to learn something, you need the best, the purest. I didn't say you couldn't lead somebody to the Lord out of a different version. <laughs> you ever try to drink a cup of coffee with ketchup in it, salt in it, pepper in it? It's polluted. Oh, it's still coffee. It's got caffeine in it. I'd prefer just black coffee, wouldn't you? Yeah, amen. Steadfast. We need to st be steadfast. And, and take your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. Let me set this on fathers. But this also worked for our church. Unity. We will strive and we will have unity. So, well, so many churches are divided. That's because nobody's steadfast. Unity. Verse 27, Philippians 1. Only let your conversation, that's how you live your life. Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your faith affairs that ye stand fast. There's our word again. It means steadfast. In one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You say, what's the unity? What are we all to be united on? What are we to be steadfast on? What are we to be united on? The Lord Jesus Christ, this book, salvation by grace through faith. And that God has commanded us to assemble together. We should not forsake it. Steadfast in this. Fathers, you've got to be steadfast. You've got to be that rock that the family can lean on. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't be up one day, down the next. You shouldn't be, hey, I'm on fire for God two days later. Nah, I'm not on fire. Have some consistency in your life. Now let's get to our phrase. Back in Corinthians, he says, quit you like men. Oh boy. He says, do a man's part. Fathers, we got to do a man's part. He says, you need to operate like men. Remember back in chapter 13, he says, when you were a child, you thought like a child. You talked like a child. But when you become a man, you put away childish things. When you're a man, when you're a husband, your family takes priority now. That's right. Daddy shouldn't be running off in some ball league somewhere on a Friday night and the kids are all and mama by themselves at home. That was all done before you got married. 
Now the family's priority and vice versa, mamas. Get involved in reality in the home, the priorities. It will be over in an instant. I never dreamed I'd be an empty nester. I'm 51. We've been an empty nester for over five years. We've been living the high life. Like I said, it was just for a little while, and it'll be over. Be a man. Be a guide. Before you can be a man, you're going to have to be taught by a man. Boys, they should know how pork chops are made. Have you sons had that conversation with your fathers? I remember mine about 12 years old. I've told it before, but I'm going to tell it again. It needs to be told. About 12. And, and by the way, 12-year-olds, as soon as they hit about 11 or 12, they're going to begin to give mama trouble. There's no 11-year-old, 12-year-old that wants to listen to anything that a woman has to say unless it's at mealtime. Other than that, they just got de defiance all over them. And it's going to take a man. And I remember I was giving mama some trouble. And mom, of course, reported to dad. And dad said, I think I can take care of that. And he said, hollered up there that next morning. He said, son, get up. It was five. We're going to work. I'm going to show you how pork chops are made. We're going to the store. I thought maybe because we grew up in the country, we're going to butcher hogs. But I didn't get right up. You know, I was just kind of laying in bed like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. The next thing I knew, my bed was turned over and I was laying in the floor. And there was just some big man standing there and said, I said, get up. You're going to work. <sighs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I still thought we was going to the store or something, and he worked me hard all day mixing cement because he was a plaster by trade. Oh, you know what? He was teaching me how to be a man. I didn't want to get up. Get up anyway. Do you think I want? I hear Dad. Did you think I want to get up? <laughs> you do it. He was teaching me you're going to have to do what you don't want to do sometimes because it's what's best for your family. You don't work, you don't eat. He taught me that. And you can tell I caught on real quick. I work hard for you, Dad. And so dad said, <laughs> this is when I was 11 and 12. He quit doing that when I turned 16. <laughs> you work and I'll feed you all you want to eat until I turn 16. Then it's like, look, I'll just pay you by the hour. You can feed yourself when we're out. <laughs> he said, I'm losing money on this deal. I guess that's where I got a love for buffets. Because when I started paying for it, I just needed a buffet. It wasn't about the quality. It was about the amount. But you need to... Learn how to be a man. And you're going to have to have a man to teach you to be a man. And you say, well, what if I don't have a dad? You should have a pastor that's a man. That's why this Bible says one of the requirements for a pastor is a man who rules well his own house. That means he has a wife. He says a husband of one wife. And he has children that are in subjection. And that means because he's a man, he says he ruleth well his own house. He has some rules. And if you're under his roof, you're going to abide by them. I don't care how big you get. If you want to live here and put your shoes under my table, I got some rules. 
even when I was 20 years old, going on 21. I moved back home because I was getting ready to get married. Guess what? Dad said, these are the rules. Dad, I'm getting ready to get married in a couple of I don't care. If you're eating my food and I'm paying the electric, matter of fact, he stopped me right there. He said, by the way, you'll need, you need a little rent. Because I had already moved out. Tried it on my own and realized I wished I was 10 again. I wasn't a bed of roses. Car broke down. Man. Titus chapter 2, real quick now. I need to move on. Titus chapter, I'm having too much fun. I'm working these biscuits off. Titus 2, verse 2. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. That's what a father's supposed to be teaching his children. Especially those sons. A father should be teaching his son honor, integrity, responsibility, even when you don't want to. <laughs> and then the chain of command. There should be some structure in your home. There's structure in every... I'm amazed at this. No matter where you go in this world, you go get a job wherever you want to. Number one, you're going to find out who your boss is. Number two, you're going to be trained in the way they do things. Right? People come into the church, and that's the farthest thing from their mind. They're like, well, what, what, what? Nope. You're going to be trained... You're going to be discipled. You're going to, we got membership class. You're going to find out what we believe, what we practice, and you're going to be on board with it. If not, that's okay. But you're going to know about it before you just come on in. That should be going on in your home. You should teach your children about integrity and honor in the chain of command. That's called structure and order. The husband is the head of the house. Part of being like a man here, so I got my favorite phrase, which was the phrase my father was, take it like a man. Man up. I remember the last, the last trouble I got into. I was 16. Knew it all. Mom was driving us home from school. Mom run the car in the ditch. She didn't get stuck. It just fell down in the ditch and come out. I give her a dirty look. Can't you drive? Mom looked at my, my mom's a fighter. My mom looked at me and said, I won't tell you everything she said. Mom's a good Christian woman. But mom don't suffer fools. She says, you wait till you get home. I'm going to tell your father. Like, what? What? I didn't do nothing. You about tore the car. I don't want to hear it, Todd. Boy, when I got home. I was walking behind her because she was about that high off the ground, all five foot of her. She went in. Dad come out. So what's going on? She seen mom was mad. He seen, seen that. He said, your son, your son, that one right there. He's got a bad attitude. Dad said, son, I'm sick of it. Get in here. <laughs> oh, man. Dad, you know she's, you know, women. She's 45, 50, something like that. Dad said, you know what he told me? You're still getting a spanking. You're going to take it like a man, whether you think you deserve it or not. 
It's not about the discipline. It's about you're going to take it like a man. You know what that taught me? You don't always get your way and you don't always win. Take it like a man. Be a man. Quit you like men. We, we, are, we got a man problem today. We don't have enough of them. And he says, be strong. Be strong. Let me get back into my text. and about my last point, so we're about done. Be strong. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know something else my dad taught me? Men don't run. You know, being involved in a family-owned business, we got on some jobs that were definitely intimidating. Let me tell you something. You get in about of the middle of a big old job. That ARC project was like that. I had to, <laughs> had to talk my brother down a couple of times. That was a big project. We did all the stucco work up there on the ARC project, Gabbard's Construction. I helped him with it. I still don't know how pastors work full-time and then try to pastor full-time. That ended quickly for me. You know why it got done? Because <laughs> our father was right there on it. And he had trained us. Real men, they don't run. And real men, courage is strengthened in the face of fear. And it must be taught. It's a discipline. If your children see you run, it teaches them to run. This Bible says, be strong in the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. It's not all about winning, men. Being strong is not about showing strength and victory. Being strong is knowing you're more than likely going to lose, but you'll do that strong too. Church, if I'd have never had a father that had taught me that lesson, I would not be standing before you this morning. That is something that a father's got to teach a son. Because it's natural in humans. In a danger or a situation that gets out of their control, run. It's a life-saving mechanism. That's what we do. Sometimes that's how we handle stress. We run. Fathers... Real men don't run. I hate to say this, but I think you need to know it because I don't ever want to portray that as a pastor I'm perfect and I've never had problems. I remember the day Jenny calling me after we had gotten married. I was working at Eth Ethicon, I think, if I remember right, for John on Johnson & Johnson. I was a plaster with his union then. Got a phone call, honey. Mm -hmm. We hadn't been married, what, six months? Three months, four months, something like that. I'm pregnant. How'd that happen? <laughs> We's homeschooled. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I wanted to do? I had a 78 baby blue Monte Carlo that I just put a new motor down in. Why? Don't ask me why. I wanted to point that car west. 
and put the hammer down. I was going home that night, and I was like, you know what? Nobody would ever know. <laughs> they wouldn't find me. You know how I know they wouldn't find me? I'd run away once when I was 12. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I tell you all I was a little rascal, I was. You know what it was about? Dad's trying to teach me a little structure that a young man, you got to have some. Uh, by the way, fathers, your children need schedules. They're going to work off a schedule the rest of their life. You need to have them on a schedule. My father, if you were still in bed after 8 o'clock when we lived at home, there was, you better be sick. And if we was working with him, you better be up and ready because he's leaving at 5. And he didn't wait. And, and yeah, I tried. Like, well, then I guess he don't want me to work. And I lay around. No, it didn't happen. Because then he come back in and drag you out. You're working, son. But he put me in the garden. We'd eat in the garden. Summer, hot. Everybody else was inside, of course, in my mind, drinking iced tea, watching me as I work out in the garden. Little neighbor boy come along and says, hey, let's go play. It was the Stokes boy. And I said, I can't. I'm working in this garden. It's not fair. My sister should be out here doing it with me. My brother, my sister's four years, four and a half years younger than me. I was 12, so she'd have been eight. My brother's eight years younger than me. I thought he should have been out there too. He's been about a toddler. Four. Oh, this is how a 12-year-old's mind thinks. This is an injustice. He says, let's run away. I said, where are we going? He says, let's live in the woods. I said, let's do it. We lived in the country. We took off. My sister, I remember like it was yesterday, was on the front porch playing with a, bar, uh, was a Raggedy Ann baby doll. She says, where are you going, Todd? As we, me and it was John Stokes, if I remember right, went running up the road heading for the woods. I said, we're running away. Don't tell Dad. Of course, she went right in immediately. She didn't know what was going on. We were running to his house. He lived three miles up the road. We were going to get his BB gun. That's we were going to live off the land, 12 years old. And I knew my dad, because he's a military man, would come tracking me, and he was a tracker. And at 12 years old, I had enough sense to know that when we hit this creek, I stopped. And John says, what are you doing? I said, oh, my dad, he'll be right down in here. We got, I'm putting footprints heading the other way. He said, why? I said, because my dad, if he can catch us, if he'll catch me, it's bad. And I did. I, I marched off the other way like we was heading toward town and walked back up the creek pulling the rocks over. Now, we hadn't been watching. No, we didn't have TV. I just, a little 12-year-old's mind, they're smart. And sure enough, later I found out that dad did. He found us down there in the creek, the tracks heading the other way and he was heading the other way and he didn't follow him long he knew something was up but guess what old dad was up there at john stokes's house waiting on him and my buddy who was supposed to be my friend went in to get the bb gun they caught him and there he is out there waving hey todd come on in and my dad was carrying i think it had been jeremiah i could see him 
I'm telling you, I could see this guy. I said, this dude's selling me out. He said, come on. He's, he's out there in the woods. I'm like, are you dumb? I am not coming up there. I couldn't believe it. And I waited around and waited around. And, of course, Dad's just a little smarter than I was. He knew I'd come in about supper time. Sure enough, I did. Man, that was rough. <laughs> you know, I thought, I was thinking about this yesterday. I thought, man, I'm really going to get burnt up on this. You know, Dad never did. He had some mercy on me, compassion. He made me apologize to my mother, and I'd rather have taken the spanking. Because my mom was fit to be tied. She was all upset. And you mothers would know, you ever lose a child in a store, or God forbid they should run away. Your mind thinks all kinds of things. There I am in the woods. Real men don't run. They face up to the music, even if they're not going to win. Yeah. That's a hard lesson. First Chronicles 28 says, And David said to Solomon, this is a father to a son, Be strong of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord thy God, for the Lord God, even thy God, or my God, will be with thee. And he'll not fail thee nor forsake thee. Fathers, your children are watching. And they need to see you have to get a hold of God. And God coming through for you. Because that will teach them that God will come through for them. Be watchful. Be steadfast. Be strong. And be a man. Father, that's right, from the, that's right from the Word of God. We need more fathers like this. And the older you get, the more you'll realize it was the little things that your father taught you that are now more valuable than gold to help you through life's critical times. Let us stand. Fathers, don't be runners. I know the feeling. Real men don't run. You man up and you take it like a man.